Hello, and welcome to the Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. We are your hosts, Jeff Hall and Patrick Terry. We're two dads with a love for movies. Join us as we discuss movies we have seen with our kids, as well as movies we have seen without them. Good morning, Patrick. How are you? I'm pretty good, Jeff. How are you? I am thawing out. <laughs> to put it mildly. Nope, doing well. Doing well. It is. It looks like we got a preview of Ghostbusters or the new Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. As long as there's no ice spikes. Exactly. Like, we still didn't have that. <laughs> yeah. Elsa came to Nashville and went, did her What a Go performance and then bounced. <laughs> but no, it was, it's fine. We're, we're managing. Kids have been out of school for a week. Yeah. So hopefully back tomorrow. We'll see. But yeah, for Nashville, you know, probably the most snow I think I've seen us get since what, 2010? Probably. Been a while. Been a while. Yeah, I it's mean, been, it's been a minute. Because, yeah, when it started <clears throat> snowing Sunday, it's like it just wouldn't stop. It's like it yeah. wasn't even heavy. It was just constant. Just yes. Boom, boom, boom. And then had that little break. And then Monday did the same thing. I was like, dang. Yeah, just all day, all day. Yeah, when right before Sunday night when we recorded with Zach, if y'all haven't listened to that episode, please do yourself a favor, go listen to a great episode with our buddy Zach Schaefer of $2 Weight Fee and Territory Marks where we discussed the Iron Claw and wrestling in general. So it was a great, great episode. We really had a blast. Can't wait to have them back again. But I, before we started recording, I sent him pictures of my backyard snow. I go, I said, my dude, this is what's going on right now. <laughs> right. He couldn't believe it, but really neither could I. It's definitely took the air quotes out of snow for sure. Right. You know, most times naturally we get the air quotes now or it's like a little dusting dusting and yeah, a little dusting and we'll still school will still be out because whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And and luckily we were able to still get our movie watch in before it came in. Otherwise that would have been kind of a. (laughs) Oh, tell me about it. Cause I went and saw it Sunday morning and that would have been a great conversation with the two of you. (laughs) I'm like, I'm just here guys. Yeah. No, it's on me. I didn't do the homework. That's on me. I arranged <laughs> everything, but I didn't do the homework. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was a surprise as far as how much accumulation. Yeah. I was not expecting up. it. I was just like, wow. I did. I did miss one day of work because uh, Tuesday I just didn't feel comfortable risking it. <clears throat> okay. Neither. Neither did your counterpoint and we had to do extra checks. It was fine. Yeah. And then. Uh, so on. Yeah, Tuesday, or was it? no, Wednesday, when I finally got everything ready to go to work, I went out, warmed up my car a little bit and started it. And then I was like, well, I need to go back out and move it. And so when I went back out, started and move it, it didn't start. I was oh, like, no. I guess either I didn't let it run long enough the first time. Yeah. Which I think that's what it is. And then I tried using my portable yeah. car- charger, yeah. Yeah. but it didn't have enough charge on it. So I had to charge that's it. Not. Oh man. And then but once I went back out, started it, started right up, no problem. And then got my car moved in a better position. So when I did leave, I could just roll and Literally, keep my momentum. Roll and not slide. <laughs> right. And so Wednesday and Thursday was cool. Friday trucks came through the neighborhood, salted and yeah. doing the thing. But and my mom told me, she said, Well, the roads still look the same. 
So I'm like, all right, tonight's going to be interesting then. So yeah. Friday, I was going home, and as soon as I turn on the street, it's not that level. It just looks shiny, just just shiny. Oh, like, oh, that's, that's ice. And so as I was driving up the hill, I noticed a little icon on my car where it says, you know, yeah. swerving thing. I'm like, okay. But I, I still had momentum. I was in my low gear. Yeah. And there was cars coming. I'm like, and I had to slow down to let them buy. So I'm like, okay, oh, this is a man. test. <laughs> but yep. but I was able to continue. And then once I got on my main street, it was fine because it's, it's yeah. level, kind of clear. But uh, yeah, them coming through made it worse. Damn. Thought it would have made it better, but it didn't. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, we, ours isn't too bad. I've never been so thankful to have a, <laughs> to have a all wheel drive car. Same. And it just, like, I've yet to have any problems with my car, thankfully. My tires are in good shape. I've, you know, done so much better about oil changes and tire rotations. And then, you know, when it's time to get brakes, tires, and all that nonsense, I'm a lot better at getting that done. Yeah. Than I have in the past with other vehicles I've owned. So that also helps with, you know, with my confidence in driving in this weather. Not that, not that this weather is difficult for me to drive in just um, because I had the unfortunate <laughs> past history of living in the Midwest where this is a lot more common. And I'm just saying that because I don't like snow and ice. Yeah. So I, that was part of the deal with moving to the South is that I wouldn't have to worry about that anymore. They have broken the contract. <laughs> they did. Yeah, but I'm the same. For like snow. at least the third or fourth time in 15 years. Snow's cool. I just don't care for the ice. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We can, just, we can somehow, you know, treat the streets better. Like I guess yeah, the snow the can be on the ground. Yeah. yeah, we can get the, you know, snow on the grass buildings. Cool. Just, just the roads. It's a problem. It's just because yeah. not everybody knows how to change their driving in the no. weather someone will keep doing it like it's a bright sunny day and yep. can't do that i've yeah. seen so so many videos on accidents that were happening people driving and i'm like can't do that <laughs> you gotta yep. slow it down turtle turtle crawl basically yep but some folks just don't want to do it yep and then they were in the hard way sadly yep yep it is what it is the one thing about you know this weather is that it does make you want to stay inside and that it's helped as far as my movie watching. Yeah. So been able to get caught up on some things. It is currently the 22nd day of January and I am not quite a movie a day. I'm at 13 total for the year. So it's getting there, but not quite. Yeah. So, but yeah, I've been able to at least get caught up on some things and it's pretty cool. And I rewatched. So, okay. Follow me on this journey. I, I, for whatever reason, for, well, because we are, because of this podcast, I've been able to meet people and then you know, we have been able to meet people and, you know, I still correspond and stuff like that. And so, and sometimes every now and then friend people. And so on the socials, and then I'll have, random people show up in my feed as people you may know. Mm-hmm. And one of those was Kurt Wood Smith from that 70s show. And for those that are fans of Robo, the original RoboCop, Clarence Boddicker. Yeah. So every now and then he pops up on there as people I may know. <laughs> I'm like, 
I mean, I do know him, but I guarantee he doesn't know me. <laughs> so, right. but I'm like, at the same time, I'm like, if I hit add friend, you think his reply will be, I don't know you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, that's fair. Anyway, so it made me want to go back and watch Robocop, to be honest. So I went yeah. back and rewatched the Robocop series. And if anybody else wants to go back and rewatch them, they're currently on Max or HBO Max for whatever you want to call it. And so I gone, I went back, rewatched Robocop, and it's been a little while since I've watched it. And I can't get over it's, you know, because it's the 80s. It's very it's a very 80s movie. And I was trying to explain this to York after I watched it and he was stuck with me in the car. So he had to listen to me and (laughs) I asked him, I said, you know, the eighties was funny when it came to violence. Cause there's especially like, especially a lot of action movies as far as violence, cause they had those squibs and Mm -hmm. they were just, you know, basically packs, you know, just almost like Ziploc packs of fake blood that were attached to like a vest or something. That then, and I, I was like, okay, let's, you know, they would wear it and then you would, you know, they would have like some sort of device that would trigger the, those packs to explode. Yeah. And so when one of these guys gets, you know, gets shot up like five or six times, you see all these squid packs just exploding and it's freaking hilarious yeah. because it's so like over the top. <laughs> I said, York, this is, you know, this is the 80s version of like over the top gratuitous violence, much, you know, in the it kind of in the vein of like John Wick is like so over the top unrealistic mm-hmm. violence that it's hard to take it seriously. Right. Because it's just so over the top and things that obviously would not fall in the realm of possibilities of realism. Yeah. I said, that's pretty much like the 80s. That's their version of these squid packs just exploding everywhere. And it's almost comical because of how how kind of over the top it is. And But one thing I noticed was, or that, uh, you know, re-watching it, you know, of course, it's funny, things you watch as a kid, you don't, there's a lot of themes and different aspects of the movie that you don't pick up on when you're younger because you're just watching it for the action and it's a freaking robot cop you know so how cool is that yeah and so you're not picking up on like the interesting social commentary that's being presented the director was paul verhoeven who then went on to direct total recall right after this he was offered the job he was offered after the unexpected success of robocop he was offered the job to direct a sequel and he's like well i don't want to it has to have something imaginative and and basically it has to have some substance and not be a cash grab right because he didn't want to direct if that's what it was going to be and they're like oh well yeah that no that's what we're doing (laughs) so he passed on it so he could then direct total recall so i i would definitely say he made the right decision on that one right Uh, not that so RoboCop 2 is okay, but it you can see a lot of what it it it's missing a lot of the heart that the first one had. Yeah. It's still watchable. It's not like it's unwatchable, but it's it's still watchable. It's just missing some of the uh missing a lot of what the first one had. So the first one also so it deals with you never think about the fact that it's dealing with privatized policing essentially. Like a company's coming in 
that have designed that have taken a fallen police officer mm-hmm. and then essentially inserted their consciousness and they're more or less just their face into this robot version of themselves. So they still have their consciousness, so they still have all their memories and didn't wipe any of that out. But they essentially made this, you know, walking police officer robot and the in the city of Detroit. And then, you know, cops are dying all the time and there's like no help coming. And so the, you know, the police officers that are remaining are talking about going on strike. And that's kind of what the owner of OCP kind of is trying to do so that they can assert more of these robots and to take over as far as law enforcement. And I'm like, wow. Cause you see a lot of that when you, for me, at least, you know, with us living in Tennessee, it's a lot, I was able to relate that to kind of what's going on with the, with Tennessee's like school voucher program. Mm-hmm. It's these privatized schools trying to take over and basically say, Hey, public schools aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. We're going to insert ourselves into this and then, yeah, take the money that should be going to this public service being schools or as far as like RoboCop in the movie, money that could be just gone into getting more police officers and better equipment and stuff like that. It's not being utilized. So I found it very, I found after rewatching it and seeing the parallels, I'm like, wow, this movie's kind of ahead of its time. And you know, but that's a good sign of a good sci-fi movie too. Is that points out things that are going on in society and in a in a way that you makes you think about it. So, good sci-fi movie. But also, what I loved was that they the fact that they made TV commercials that were more or less parodies of other things, and also you know a, a tad bit on the social commentary of what was going on during the time. Like one of them was a like nuclear. They basically took Battleship, the exact same, looked like the exact same setup, but instead they called it Nukem. And so it's this family playing this game. It's supposed to be like a family-friendly game, but they're talking about, you know, basically, oh, you don't, you know, you know what? You basically, you, you hit me at this spot. I'm taking away the military. I'm taking away military aid Yeah. <laughs> and Nukem. And it was just. It's funny because it's, you know, it's like, wow, you're playing this with your family? This is weird. But it's also really humorous. And they just insert it, you know, throughout the movie, but it but it flows really well. It's really interesting. And then they had this one car that they were advertising. It's the 6000 SUX or the 6000 Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's actually pretty. I never caught that. That's actually pretty funny. And yeah. And RoboCop 2, John Glover does this one ad, like at the, pretty much at the beginning of the movie before the actual movie, you know, the credits have started. But this is like, instead of it going into the movie, it starts with a commercial. And it's this, this person trying to break into someone's car. So they sit in the, in the seat. And then this metal piece straps around their chest and then around their lap. And then it electrocutes them like an electric chair. Remember that. And he says, you know, stop the crime before it, you know, before the cops show up. And then you just, and then it shows him then opening the door and then the straps come off and the guy just falls out. And then he gets in his car and then drives away. I was like, wow. <laughs> I think it was called like Magnavolt or something like that or Magna Shock or something. I was like, wow. 
Hey, car not stolen. Nope. Let everybody else, somebody else handle the body. I got to go yeah. to work. Right. <laughs> I mean, the car was a little fried. Well, no, the person in the car was a little fried. Smells a little, fu- smells a little bad too. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, it smells a little rough, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's just interesting. The second one, obviously, is missing a lot. What I found out is that the right, the original idea for Robocop, Robocop that they had, got scrapped and got rewritten and all this stuff. They ended up using the idea for that Robocop for the 2014 Robocop. Hmm. So the original idea ended up finally getting realized in 2014. With Michael Keaton and uh, Joel Kinnaman as as Robocop, so interesting, interesting thing. I had to read. I read all the trivia because I was very curious yeah. about all the things. So very do 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 do. Anyways, that was my experience going back and watching Robocop and realizing there's a lot of great '80s '80s action sci-fi that I need to get York to watch because I think he's at 13. He's definitely ready for it. So. Yeah, more than ready. I saw him younger at that. I saw the. I saw a lot of those younger than what he is now. Should be an interesting experience. Exactly. And then, real quickly before we get into trailers, Grayson had still had a gymnastics competition this past Friday, Mm -hmm. even with the weather and everything. School was out, but hey, still having your gymnastics competition. It's so wild. She did great though. Let's see. I got it pulled up. She placed fourth on vault, second on uneven bars, or just bars for her, second place on floor, and third place on beams, and second place overall. So she did awesome. Very, very proud of her. And she was excited, too. So good for her. And then she got to go see Wonka with her friends on yesterday, on Sunday. She went because she really liked it. She was ready to go see it again. And her friends were going. So I said, you know what? You can go. I'm going to go see if you can go sit with them. I will go see something else. I liked Wonka, but I really there were other movies I'd rather go see for a first time before I see that a second time. Right. So she went and watched Wonka, had a great time. I went and saw ISS, which we'll talk about next week. But yeah, everybody had a good time. That's all I got, man. <laughs> Which I all think is right. enough. Well, I didn't watch too much <clears throat> streaming, but I did watch the Bear series on Hulu. Yes, yes. And uh, all of it? Yeah, I finished it yesterday. Oh, okay. We're yeah, still I started it. I want to say like somewhere in episode or season two. But yeah. Like yeah, I'd started it on Thursday last week and actually I finished it Saturday. My days are kind of yeah, they're all mixed up. This. They're all messed but, up. Uh, but yeah, I finished it this weekend. And uh, so y'all, fi- you finished season one. Oh yeah, yeah. So episode seven of season one was like the most chaotic yes. episode. Because I was like, why is this only twenty minutes? Then after it over, like, okay, I can only, twenty minutes was long enough for this because <laughs> <laughs> it was just madness. Yes. And then there's an episode like that in the second season as well. That's mm-hmm. just wild and nuts. But like overall, it was it's it's a great series. Like I put yeah. that amongst my other favorites: Atlanta, Reservation Dogs, Abbott Elementary, yeah, and this. But I'm glad I watched it when I did. You know, it was you know having watched Iron Claw, yeah. So seeing Jeremy Allen White's 
you know, his acting skills yeah. there. Ayo Anna Berry seeing her in theater All camps the and bottoms. And <laughs> yeah. so I was just like, all right, I'm gonna give the show a chance. Cause I tried initially around the time it started, but I just yeah. wasn't as into it. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, no, I think I'm ready to watch it now. And yeah. wonderful experience. Like it's, yeah. Uh, just, I know now how crazy it can be running a restaurant. Yes. Uh, I was like, if you don't have a good team, it's just not going to work. Yeah. But, but yeah, I'm ready for season three because I want to see how everything that's been set up gets. Yep. You know. So I, I read something then before I recorded. I read something that Eben Moss Bachrock is. Someone asked him if he was being considered to play the role of the thing in the new Fantastic Four movie. And he did one of those, I cannot deny, or I cannot confirm, or I don't think I can deny it either. <laughs> it's like, it was one of those, like, he wasn't sure how to answer it. So, yeah. I'm like, okay, man. So you are. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. So I think Marvel's kind of a stickler for people spoiling stuff, yeah. which is why they don't have Tom Holland speak much. Exactly. <laughs> the, the, and, <clears throat> but yeah, no, it, so that's interesting. And then another movie I watched this weekend, which I'll probably, I might talk about next week. It's called Fingernails, which is on Apple TV Plus. It's a movie with with Jeremy Allen White, Jesse Buckley, and Riz Ahmed. It's an mm-hmm. interesting movie about relationships, and you know this. The gist is that they test people to find out if they're a match, and they go through these yeah. experiments and different tests, you know, to see if they're really a match and. If they are, then they're like meant to be together and stuff like that. And it's interesting. So it's it's kind of an interesting movie. Not super fast paced. He's in it. He's not in it a lot, but, you know, he still does, you know, still pulls. He still has some good, strong scenes in it, though. But yeah, it's I remember watching that trailer. But yeah, but but like you'd online you had mentioned yeah like he should play gene wilder and right. i was because I, I was as i was watching yeah. the series i just kept facial expression just literally his face i'm like dude if they if they wanted to actually do a legit remake or do a documentary yeah on on like a bio biopic for gene wilder that's it perfect perfect yeah. fit like has the eyes yeah. and everything the he's hair, got his desires and the yes. hair yeah and then if they like it's crazy. <laughs> I was like, if they'd wanted to actually do a legit remake of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and do it spot on, yeah. I mean, he he at least fit the role as yeah. far as the look. And, uh, uh, but uh, we were watching an award. <laughs> we were watching, I think, Golden Globes, and Grayson thought that was Wonka. I yeah. said no, that's not him. That's somebody else. Yeah. Yep. Biopic comes. There's there's your Gene Wilder. <laughs> yeah, we found him. The search began and ended with one person. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, it was wild. <clears throat> wild. Yeah. Can't get much wilder than that. There we go. Right. Uh, oh, goodness. Let's see here. All right. Here we go. Trailers. We have an, an official, not a teaser, but an official trailer for Spaceman starring Adam Sandler, Carrie Mulligan, Paul Dano, Kunal Nayar, and Isabella Rosalini. Jacob Prochaska, orphaned as a boy and raised in the Czech countryside, 
by his grandparents overcomes his odds to become the country's first astronaut. Dropping on Netflix March 1st, 2024, rated R with a runtime one hour, 47 minutes. I'll be there. And then uh, next we have, so I watched this and I'm like, is this like the, is JLo doing like a Michael Jackson moonwalker type thing where she makes a movie, but it's like really just kind of smaller music videos. Mm-hmm. This is me dot, dot, dot. Now a love story is like nothing you've ever seen from Jennifer Lopez. With Jennifer Lopez, Sofia Vergara, Ben Affleck, big shocker, Kiki Palmer, Trevor Noah, Kim Petras. Yeah, there's like no real summary, but and it looks like Fat Joe. How do I know that? I don't even. Wow, I pulled that one out. But yeah, it there's just like all these musical numbers, and it just looks like it's it's a musical, but it's also I just saw Derek Huff, probably Darren Chris too. Like it's just. It looks interesting, but it looks like almost like a Michael Jackson moonwalker where it's a movie, but it's still a bunch of music videos and <laughs> cut in between. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I'm just saying I, I nothing against it, but that just what it, what it looks like to me. So, I mean, but you know, probably watch it. Just no Owen Wilson. Wow. Got left out this time. <laughs> <laughs> That's still a cute one watch that one apparently is coming to theaters february 16th because it's not listed as streaming okay so i guess that one will be so yeah and then lastly we have coming to hulu we have suncoast which i thought was gonna be like a kids movie but no it's saying that it's rated r with a runtime of one hour 49 minutes from debut feature film writer film writer director lauren chin a semi-autobiographical coming-of-age story about a young woman dealing with her brother's serious illness. Due to drop February 9th, written and directed by Lauren Chen, starring Nico Parker, Laura Lenny, Woody Harrelson, and others. Interesting. But I was like, oh, cool, coming-of-age movie, Grayson might like, oh, nope, rated R, never mind. Right. Guess not. and that's what we got for trailers so not not a whole lot some tv stuff coming out too though speaking of tv watched all of reacher another amazing season absolutely love it also monarch season one ended and for all mankind season one ended so yeah all three excellent shows how we recommend all of them Reacher only had eight episodes of Monarch and For All Mankind had ten. But all three are currently done, sadly, because they're all enjoyable. But now we have true De- the new season of True Detective yeah. that is out with Jodie Foster. And because, you know, not doing with enough snow, I'm watching that, too. So <laughs> two episodes out, I've only watched one of them. I haven't watched the most recent one. But, yep, good stuff, though. That's I think that's all I've done for TV. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about a movie you've been sitting on for two months. Because <laughs> you've been patiently waiting for me to watch it. And I've been patiently waiting for 
Apple TV Plus to drop it for streaming, so I didn't have to pay to see it because you know one of those people. Dang, that's right. I never, I, I kept, I never did talk about it. I think I mentioned it when we, when we were offline. Yeah, and and we were going to talk. It's like I'll just wait for you to watch it, and I'm like, yeah, we never did. Yeah, <laughs> that's how long it's been. That's how long it's been because I said, you know what? I said no, yeah. I'm going to try and make it to the theater, and then. Then it, yeah. it got to the point where it's only showing it like two times. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. I guess I'll wait yeah. for Apple TV Plus. And it then they dropped it for, then they put it on there and it's like, okay, you can buy it for 25 or rent it for 20. I'm like, well, I really don't want to do either because I don't want to rent it because that for 20, because I'm like, well, I, what if I don't like it? Yeah. Or I mean, it, basically, I don't want to rent it for 20 because I should have gone to see this in theater. I had more than enough time. That's on me. Yeah. And I didn't want to buy it because if I didn't like it, I didn't want it just sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like. And then it was supposed to release November 12th. I didn't say yes. for rental or, you know, VOD. They just said it's going to come to the service on the 12th. And they yep. drew it out. Oh, they dragged that. I, yeah. for whatever reason, I thought for sure it was going to drop Christmas Day. Yeah. Like I had it in my head. I was like, sweet, they're just going to drop it for streaming on Christmas Day as like a Christmas present or something like that. Like, here you go. Merry Christmas here. Nope. Nope. They waited until after the new year. I said, mother. That's fine. I finally watched it in streaming. Now, I'm going to rewatch it for sure because I feel like I might have missed some things. Plus, I want to rewatch it on on our living room TV. So I think I'll enjoy it. I'd still enjoy it. Anyways. So Killers of the Flower Moon did come out to theaters October 20th. It is now available for streaming on Apple TV+. It is rated R with a runtime of 3 hours, 26 minutes. Good God, Marty Scorsese. Stop. Please stop. Yeah. My dude. I watched watched this in the theater. IMAX. Went to Hendersonville to watch it in IMAX just because... I don't know why I didn't go to Opry Mills, but I think just because I'd never been. I think been. it's just the time. Well, I think I, too. Was, I think you mentioned too. It was like oh, yeah. the time that it was showing too. And then I'd never been to yeah. the theater in Hendersonville. So, but yeah, that's a long, long time to be sitting. <clears throat> yes, it is. I was able to break this up in two days because I had, yeah. I mean, just had to. Yeah. So that I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. And I think that was the other thing. Like I, the reason, one of the reasons why I didn't go see in the theaters because it was hard for me to dedicate three and a half hours because yeah. most of I mean more than likely it was going to be late at night and I just I can't hang like I used to I try but true same just luckily I was able to see it in the afternoon like I had a short short yeah. day where I got off at like five yeah now yeah. if I'd worked my normal shift where I got off at eight or nine o'clock yeah I probably would have waited <laughs> yeah yeah no I get it anyways so yeah it is directed by the great Martin Scorsese. It is this the it's based on the book by David Graham and screenplay Martin Scorsese and Eric Roth, starring of course Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Lily Gladstone, Jesse Plemons, John Withgall has a little appearance, and Brendan Fraser also makes a cameo. And the great Jason Isbell, who is a singer, is in it. There is like a lot of great actors in this in this very, very long, but 
Very good movie. When oil is discovered in 1920s Oklahoma under Osage Nation land, the Osage people are murdered one by one until the FBI steps in to unravel the mystery. Okay, so <laughs> before we get too into it, too into it, I'm going to go on record saying I did enjoy this movie. I'm okay watching it streaming. Would I have liked to see it in a theater? Sure, but I don't know. I I like Martin Scorsese movies, but this one was just... I think the performances were good, but mm-hmm. that... And really, like, Leonardo DiCaprio did his best Slane Blade impression, I felt like. Yeah. It just seemed like it was a variation of Billy Bob's Slane Blade. And I didn't think it was... I don't know. Like, the look... He looks like the... He looks like Ernest Burkhart, as, like, the real Ernest Burkhart. When you look up pictures and see the two of them side by side, his... Like chin, bottom lip area, it sticks out just like how Leo has it. I don't think it's a bad performance. I think it's good. I don't compare it to some of the others I've seen nominated yeah. this year. I just, it, it's not near as good as those, but I'm not saying he did a bad job. Just I think when actors work with certain directors after a while, I think it diminishes their performances sometimes. Like they kind of just walk through it. Not or necessarily not, not. walk through it. So I don't I get, think they get so in sync with the director that sometimes it affects their performance. Instead of bringing something new they to something, you just kind of get, okay, Leo's just kind of doing a Leo performance. And, and honestly, De Niro, basically. Like, I, I could see De Niro's motivation because De Niro is playing this, tight, you know, basically oil tycoon that's just trying to get more money, more money, and take yeah. away from those that need it or those that have it, even though he yeah. just wants more. Just feel and, like they shouldn't have it because... Yeah. I don't know. I don't feel like Marty was getting most out of their... Perf- they're not like getting he wasn't, he wasn't pushing them. They're, yeah. I don't feel like they're getting anything new. I think it was like a group of friends getting together and making a movie. Yeah. Does that make sense? Probably not. Like, like you get them in the first time they work together. Right. They kind of or... hit that stride where it's like, they know what they're doing and they know that I know what I'm doing. So we don't have to be like, Hey, I like that, but let's try that again and put a little more punch to it. They're not doing or, that. Let's try or what's, Hey, let's try doing it this way. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe they're, and maybe <laughs> I'm just being hypercritical. I don't know. Again, performances were good. It's just because they are at the level they are at that. It and just, you, maybe just because it, it, it just, <laughs> you know, and you've seen them work together in various other movies that it just, I don't know. I think Leo, one of Leo's best performances, at least in a Scorsese movie was the departed. I think that was his best. Yeah. Okay. Not saying that his, I thought he was good in gangs in New York too, which is still one of my favorite Marty movies, but and it is definitely one of my favorite Daniel day Lewis performances. But I think, but I think that, was one of the strongest and then it was kind of like the peak for them together yeah i don't know like i'm glad that they i'm glad that directors find people they like and they stick with Mm -hmm. that's great but i think you also need to try you know try and cast different people just so you're challenging yourself too i I guess challenging yourself by making a three and a half hour damn movie at his age jesus man yeah 
like I said, like Christopher Nolan, he has his people that he works with too, but he's able to get something different out of them. Right. Well, so he worked with, yeah. Well, and the thing is, okay. So if you think about Christopher Nolan movies, tenant, he didn't, he didn't have anybody from any previous movies. That's those were all new, new people. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think, and I can't think of one person that's in it that was in a previous Nolan movie. Yeah. No, not this one. And then interstellar, same thing. Hmm. Can't think of anybody that was in it that was in a previous Nolan movie. But if you think, because he's only worked, I think he's only worked with Leonardo DiCaprio and Inception, and that was it. Hardy, maybe, because he did Inception and then went on to play Bane in Dark Knight Rises. But other than that, I mean, obviously Christian Bale, because he had to, because he was Batman for three movies. But he switches it up. Killian Murphy, I guess, is the only one I could think of that's been in. But Killian Murphy's character in every movie is different, though, in the roles that he plays. You know, going from when you go from Scarecrow to what the son in inception, which still is a small role, you know, pretty small role in that movie. And then moving on to Oppenheimer, like it's, he gets something different from him. Cause he's, you know, challenges that way. But as far as like Scorsese, I mean, Leo's done what five movies, I think gangs of New York, uh, killers of the flower moon, shutter Island, the departed and i want to say one more and i'm just drawing a blank but yeah. it and then de niro we can you know go back with that but but that's because they're best friends and they grew up in the same neighborhood like they've known each other since before they even either one of them knew they wanted to be you know they wanted to work in movies so i get that but what i did like the best performance in this movie was by was hands down willie gladstone's performance and a lot of that too is because he's never worked with her so they were able to pull more from her out of her performance and i think she ended up forcing leonardo dicaprio to kind of up his game because she was out you know outshining him really but the movie is beautifully shot i mean the landscape and the landscapes and everything is great and the way they were able to because essentially, it's a it's still a mob movie if you think about it. It's still a yeah. Scorsese mob movie. It's just that the victims are, you know, aren't another mob. It's the Osage Nation having their having their land being taken over because and being killed, yeah, oil because they you know trying to take over territory essentially, and it's it's a really horrific and sad story, but it's very interesting i'm glad that they you know the movie was made because it does shine a light on things that have occurred and you know basically like de niro's character like so uh, dicaprio's character ernest burkhart comes back from the war and he's a pretty simple person but he can read but he can but you know he can he can read but he so his uncle's like, here, I need you to read up on the OSA, you know, basically the OSH people and get to know. Him. So he becomes this driver. So he becomes this driver that essentially basically he's like an Uber, yeah. <laughs> kind of, you know, drives people, you know, from wherever. And he meets a Lily Gladstone's character and then drives her around. She kind of finds him charming. He finds, you know, he likes her. And so the uncle's like, hey, you should basically 
try and take her out, and then you should try and, if you like her, you should try and marry her. So that way you get the head rights, is what they refer to, like land rights, for the oil. And, you know, then you end up seeing that a lot of, a lot of white guys are marrying uh, Native American women. Mm-hmm. And then they're mysteriously dying. Yeah. These women mysteriously dying, or even some of the men too, because they see who the who inherits the head rights of you know each person, and then they control that, and then they get that money, and then all that, and it's about just terrible people for being to these, you know, or ingenuine feelings and you know ulterior motives. There we go. Yeah, they had uh, an agenda. They had, basically. yeah, they had an agenda, and it was just, and just watching it play out. And the, one of the crazy things is how it started off. Like, yeah, you know, stage were being pushed to another area, <clears throat> pushed out of their land to somewhere else, and then they discovered the oil and thus became rich. You know, they weren't originally supposed to be where they were, but they got pretty much cast out from their original land area, and then lucked up on the oil. And then after seeing that there, you know, like, oh, they don't need this oil. That should be ours. But they never thought, like, well, damn, if we never pushed them out, then this wouldn't have happened. But no, they just saw the money and, you know, decided to come up with their scheme to marry everyone and kind of kill them off without it looking back to them like they did it because they put up this facade of, yes, we love them. We have kids with them and this, that. But then as soon as, as soon as, you know die all of that shifts to them and then they'll you know because i mean you saw the osage they was they had nice cars nice clothes and it was flipped where yeah white people they were pretty much working for them doing everything right. for them and just yeah. playing nice because we know what we're doing what we're really doing. Yeah, exactly they're playing the long game yeah and so but initially if they had never pushed them out to where they were they never would have found the hole exactly so that's kind of like karma it's like all right this happens to them, so I'm gonna reward them with this. But then now they're like, "Oh no, they can't have that either." <laughs> right? We, we, could, we couldn't have the land they had that we pushed them from, but now they got oil, so we want that too. Anything that they have should be, you know, just just wanting everything that wasn't theirs. That's basically exactly. what that. Yep. So what I found interesting too that so this was the the investigation into the into the Osage County was the first investigation that was prevented to the newly formed FBI that was led by J. Edgar Hoover, who was also played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Hmm. Clint Eastwood movie, but yeah. But yeah, so I thought that was pretty interesting uh, trivia there. Good to know. But yeah, they, one of the great, one of the things I really applaud Martin Scorsese for is that after he had read the book, and felt that he was like, okay, I need to make this into a movie. That he went and spent several hours together with Chief Standing Bear to convince the Osage Nation to help with the filming to make it as realistic and as authentic as possible. Which I, you know, he didn't have to, but I really appreciate that because that just shows the courtesy and compassion of, you know, of a filmmaker to want to get things correct. And I think he knew so, if he didn't do it, he'd be under a lot of fire. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> there's all, I mean, there's also that. Yeah, yeah there's also that. <laughs> it's definitely part of it. <laughs> yeah. 
apparently during the filming, Robert De Niro got got irked by Leo DiCaprio's frequent frequent ad living. And according to Scorsese, every now and then Bob and I would look at each other and roll our eyes a little a little bit and we'd tell him, You don't need that dialogue. Okay. Trying something new. <laughs> yep. But yeah, so the the movie again is good. I still think you didn't I don't think it needed to be three and a half hours. You could easily cut a minimum forty five minutes out of that. I mean really. Yeah. I mean, no movie really needs to be that long. No. Especially without intermission. Like if you're gonna do that, at least right. have an intermission for like fifteen, twenty minutes. Dang. Give people a break and then Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, but, but while but I'll say while watching it in theater, I didn't feel it drag or anything. You know, yes, it was three and a half hours, but that first watch didn't really feel like it. But I knew if I watched it the second time, I'm gonna feel every bit of it. Yeah. So yeah, but so, but it's it no, it's definitely deserving of all the Academy Award nominee or sorry, all the award nominations that it's getting. We'll find out. I think it's Friday. I think it's the 20 in four days, whatever day that is. So I think it's Friday is when the Academy Award nominations are coming out. I think it said the 26th up oh, tomorrow. Never mind. I lied tomorrow morning. So 5 a.m. Whatever. Yeah. Central time, at least. So I get you now it'd be seven o'clock our time, five o'clock in L.A. So there you go. Which I also found out the Academy Awards will be Sunday, March 10th. Which will also be the time we are in Los Angeles on vacation. So I think York and I might find a way to get down there somehow. Yeah. From Anaheim up on down. So he's that's like the one thing I think I found out that he's like most excited about from that trip. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let's do it then. So we're going to we'll see what we can do. But yeah, it's very exciting though. But yeah, I. Again, I like this movie. I'm not trying to talk crap about it. It's just that I think it is important when you have A-list actors that are doing these strong performances, we should also want we have higher we should have higher expectations for them. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like if you're going to get paid 20 million for a movie, bring it. Yeah, bring it, man. Don't And I'm not saying he was dialing in and you know just phoning it in or anything, but show us something different. Yeah. This is all I'm trying. This is all I was trying to get at. So, but again, Lily Gladstone was amazing. I guess she was actually in Reservation Dogs because I haven't watched it yet. But apparently, she was in that show also. That was a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I definitely, I definitely would recommend watching. She played Hotkey, Hot Hawk T H O K T I. It's like season two, episode nine. Season three, episode ten. So I guess she was only in like two episodes, but and she was also in Billions, which I don't remember her in. Oh, it's because she was in all the seasons that I didn't watch. <laughs> that's probably why. That's probably why. When, okay, sorry. I just noticed they made because I've been wanting this for a while. So there's a comic book writer. His name's Jason Aaron. He's written for Punisher and some Marvel stuff, but more importantly, like some independent things. He had he did an entire run for Vertigo on a, on a title called Scalped, which was basically a mob version of a casino, you know, basically a Native American run casino 
written for being run like a, by like a Native American mob boss. And this one person that used to live in that area went on, you know, basically left, went to join the FBI and then came and then they sent him back to infiltrate. And it's definitely not for kids. <laughs> it's definitely very adult. That's why it's a vertical line. But it is amazing. Seven trades. It's yeah, I have all of them. It's amazing. I just saw that apparently in 2017 they did it. It just says TV movie. So now I'm going to have to try and find it because she was in it, I guess. Uh, I've been saying they need to make a series out of that. AMC would would have been great place to would have been my pick or HBO to do a series. But it's a minor. Anyways, I'll get the gist is a modern modern day crime story set in the world of a Native American Indian reservation and explores power, loyalty and spirituality in a community led by the ambitious Chief Leakin Red Crow as he reckons with Dashiell Bad Horse, who has returned home after years away from the reservation. I need to go find this now. But there's like nothing. There's like no images. There's not a trailer. There's nothing. And of course, it doesn't tell you where you can find it. And in fact, the cover on the thing just says, is the cover from the comic book. Like, but it has like a whole cast and everything. So now, now I got to go find it somewhere. <laughs> I will be going down that rabbit hole. So, yeah, I I definitely, yeah, would recommend this, but just know what you're, know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. I'll let you talk about the next one. I uh, see. <clears throat> uh, another one we both watched, Poor Things. <clears throat> Which, hang on. All my stuff's kind of out of whack. You're good. For the record, I did not take your work to go see this. I'm already doing better as a parent as far as movies I probably shouldn't be taking to. So, yeah. Poor Things. Released December 8th. Runtime of 2 hours and 21 minutes. So not quite as long as killers nope at least an hour shorter hour yeah. and 20 shorter almost a whole movie shorter <laughs> <laughs> directed by yorgos lanthimos and it stars emma stone mark ruffalo willem dafoe Randy youssef chris abbott and gerard gerard carmichael and it's about the incredible tale of the fantastical evolution of bella baxter a young woman brought back to life by the brilliant and an unorthodox scientist, Dr. Godwin Baxter. Yeah, this was this was a weird one. <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, yeah. Basically, I guess not giving too much away. Bella experienced a brain injury, but Dr. Godwin Baxter was able to bring her back. And now she's just going through the motions of relearning how to speak and walk and just kind of, I guess heal her brain so she's got the body of i guess what like a mid to late 20s and her brain's maybe like toddler age like two three years old she speaks in very broken sentences but she reads you know she's she's open to learning and <clears throat> you know she doesn't quite have the social skills to, i guess survive in public because right. you know, the doctor pretty much keeps her inside has yep. developed and created a world for inside where she doesn't need to go outside, but she's a very curious person. And, but also the doctor <clears throat> hires an assistant, Max McCandles, and his basic function is to just 
watch her and take records of everything as far as her development and how she improves. But he ends up falling in love with her, which Godwin recognizes and says that, you know, you know he gives her her full backstory and says he notices their interaction and he should marry her. But in the middle of this, she ends up meeting Duncan Wedderburn, played by Mark Ruffalo. Dude, <laughs> one of my favorite performances from Mark Ruffalo in a while, by the way. And 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 he pretty much talks her into running away with him. But he's not aware of the, the engagement and all that. And so because her yearning to want to just experience life and go on an adventure, she goes. Godwin doesn't stop it. He, he realizes that, you know, at some point she's got to go out there and experience life. Max, of course, is like, well, this is supposed to be my wife. And but uh, she goes anyway, like once she gets her mind set on something, she's doing it. It doesn't matter who says yay or nay. And she basically just goes on, I mean, hell of an adventure. <laughs> yeah, but a mild way, right? Yeah. So it's her relationship with Duncan pretty much starts off as lust, which she doesn't quite yes. understand. Right. Uh, dang, what does she call it? I meant to write it down. That bouncing or something like that. So, I didn't know I should have wrote it down. But she likes doing it. <laughs> so yeah, basically yeah the happy bouncing. That's what it's called. I think. Okay. It's something like that. It's like, I like that. I like jumping. that. It's something like, that. something like that. Furious jumping sounds about right. Yeah. But, you know, then she kind of discovered herself touching herself. She like, I'm making myself happy, making happy. But she does deep, go deep into that side of things a lot, yes. which was, was very excessive. But <laughs> that's also to put it mildly. I keep telling people she's naked for about 45% of this movie. Yeah. At minimum, and, uh, at minimum 45%. And that's the thing that, that Duncan doesn't really accept or understand. Yes. Like this is the first time she's literally out in the world. So she's trying to take everything in. Yeah. Yeah. You nah, <laughs> nah. did there. Good job. <laughs> but, um, I mean, she even goes off by herself and walks around the first area they're in, which is Lisbon. And I mean, she just doesn't allow anybody to control her because she's now finally got this freedom and you know, she doesn't see any wrong with what she's doing, but Duncan just, just flips and just goes, you know, just real argumentative and yeah, but it also fuels their passion to say, use that team doing what they're doing. And then you get cuts back to, to Max and Godwin and Godwin misses her. He's also getting sick and yeah, it it's just it's a weird movie. I yeah. mean, the lobster was weird, but a different kind of weird. This one's like a fantastical version of that, and it's like the production design is absolutely stunning. Yeah, especially For some sure. of the shots they do. The oh yeah, tracking shots the, and tracking shots. The fish, the uh, fish eye lens. Yeah, there whenever they're at the beginning in black and white. Yeah, it kind of slowly grades into color when she becomes more aware i guess yeah it's kind of like her wizard of oz yeah type deal where yes her life as it was is black and white but then when she starts to see the world vibrant colors yes yeah but yeah it's it was interesting entertaining a bit excessive in some moments yes because you know some you know it's like like we get it she's going to experience this a lot because it's very new right which you know 
I was like, the whole time, I'm like, man, she's either going to get pregnant or catch something. Right. And she's not going to know what to do with that. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was just an interesting ride. Yeah. You know, that, that's that's all I can describe it without spoiling anything. For me, right. Because here's the thing. The thing we would spoil was unnecessary. Yeah. I keep saying that you could cut out 40 minutes of this movie. Now, that would put it at 141. Nice, tight movie. Yeah. Now, if, even if you don't want to do 40, you could do 30 minutes. You could still do 30 minutes of this movie. That doesn't need to be in there. Yeah. A lot of the gratuitous stuff doesn't need to be in there. It's implied. Yeah. She becomes a, I mean, she, could be, she starts to work at a whorehouse at one point. A lot of that is implied. You don't need to show all the things. Sure. Show her reading. Cause she's becoming more educated. Mm-hmm. She's talking to her patrons and asking them yeah. questions before just getting into it. So it has more soul and more purpose, I guess. Plus she's learning things and she becomes more knowledgeable about the world that way. Right. Which is like her main reason for, you know, a lot of things. Plus she needed the money cause, because Ruffles character <laughs> took it, the money she had stashed. and. The big twist or reveal at the end, I don't think was necessary. I think I mean, the they kind of gave was... it. They had a scene earlier that let you know, which yeah. I already kind of thought them like she's yeah somebody is yeah. gonna come out. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. And, they, and that could have been a two minute snippet, and then that was yeah. it. But, but other than that, <laughs> none of the rest of that was needed. And I don't know. I may I'm just being picky. And God knows I'm not prude, prudish by any means, but at some point you're like, all right, this is a bit much. Yeah. We 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 get the point. We we don't think this is necessary for the film. Yeah. But whatever. But yeah, Emma Stone was indeed amazing in the movie. It's something we have not it's a performance we have not seen from her. So, you know, when we talk about like Leo's performance in Killers of the Flower Moon, right. as far as doing something different. Emma Stone is doing something different. Very different. Very different. And it's great because that's what you want to see. Mark Ruffalo playing something very different. Mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe, eh, kind of playing the same. I mean, it's he's playing weird, but he's playing a different kind of weird. And, yeah. you know, I like that. I mean, that's kind of his thing. He's going to play the weird no matter sure. what. It's just going to be what variation of weird. And he's still doing something different. True, he's bringing something new to the weird. Yes. And so that's what I like to see in our veteran actors is that they're trying and that they're daring enough to try something they haven't done before. They still have that hunger. Yes. And it's just like, I need to ruffle playing a sleaze bag is amazing. I love it because it's something I have not seen before from him. And that's exactly what I want to see. And he was amazing. I absolutely loved his performance. Yeah. So I agree, <laughs> but definitely not for <laughs> kids. I'm so, no. I am so proud that I did not take your because <laughs> <laughs> plus I didn't think it'd be a movie he'd want to see anyways, but you know, uh, my yeah. track record track record last year was not great on, uh, on that front. So, you know, maybe I learned a thing or two, both of those are going to be, for sure, Academy nominated award nominated movies. They were for Critics' Choice and they were for Golden Globe. Emma Stone won 
her Best Actress Golden Globe, and Lily Gladstone won Best Supporting Actress. And I believe they both won Critics' Choice as well. So, yep. So I know uh, SAG's coming up in February, I think. Mm-hmm. And those nominations should be out shortly as well if they're not already out. I might have forgotten. And then Director's Guild also. I know those nominations are out. So yep. it should be, be a good award season, but I also think it's going to be a little more. It might be a little more predictable this year than in previous so far. We shall see. All right. Real quick. I don't have much to speak on this movie, which is not a this is just i mean it's what i would would refer to as a by the numbers netflix action movie but it's and again that's not a slam it's just letting you know that they're what you see in the trailers what you're going to get and you know what you're getting when you see the movie lift which is rated pg-13 runtime one hour 47 minutes good runtime on that Came out January 12th, starring Kevin Hart as Cyrus, Gugu Mbatha-Raw as Abby, Sam Worthington as Huxley, Vincent D'Onofrio as Denton, Ursula Cabrero as Camilla, and Billy Magnuson, Magnus, and Nyan Ji Kim as Misan. Jean Renault as Jorgensen, and Jacob Batalon as Nate, and then of course one of my favorite kind of character actors that I love seeing pop up in movies, Bern Gorman as Cormac. So this follows a master thief and his Interpol agent ex-girlfriend who team up to steal five hundred million dollars in gold bullion, being transported on an A three eighty passenger flight. Lift. All right. What was the exact? <laughs> I got to remember the exact pun I used when I was texting you about it. That Oh, because I was talking about how we were going to talk about Cures of the Flower Moon and Poor Things, and that I would also talk about Lift for something a little more light-hearted. So, and then use the word, use Kevin Hart's name in there. I was proud of that. I, I was proud of that one, to be honest. As, <laughs> as cheesy as that was. Yeah, I mean, this movie is what you think it is. It's just your... It's a heist movie. Kevin Hart doesn't Kevin Hart too, too much in this. <laughs> he's a little contained. He, he's yeah. You know, he's having to try and play this leading man and that's leading this team. That's very good at, you know, heisting, you know, at heist. And I feel like he's trying to do the whole Robin hood thing, but in try and be noble about it. But, it doesn't. Quite. I don't. I don't think he's. He's quite. At least he doesn't have the audience quite convinced in that. Yeah. Uh, so as small. somebody who was the audience, I'm like, ah, okay, <clears throat> yeah. Keep thinking that, my dude. <laughs> yeah. Like they still. How do you steal an NFT? And so I was like, this is interesting. I'm like, well, this is a very. This is going to be a for a small audience during a small time that this is going to be relevant. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. if you steal a painting, that's always going to be relevant because that's something that's will be kind of timeless. However, you're still in an NFT. That's something that's for a very specific time in yeah. um, in the world because it's, I don't know, but it's, it's not, not really I, tangible. Exactly, and it's not tangible. So it's like, yeah. Uh, but it's it's an interesting concept, and they the way they did it and the way they were able to call it back was good. 
it's a decent action movie. The you know the plot armor's not quite translucent, but it's it's not it's not very sturdy. We'll say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't need to be because again, if you're watching a movie, if you're watching a movie called The Lift with Kevin Hart, you're not really in it for the plot. You're in it for the action. You're in it for the you know. There's really not even a, like a lot of jokes in this movie. If you think about it, like it's pretty much just action. Yeah, it leans heavier to the action than the comic. Yeah, than it does to the yeah. comic, which is which is like it's no ride along. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you <laughs> know what I mean? To, try to slip in a little romance stuff in there, right. like yeah, and that's yeah. And that's fine. <laughs> yeah, Kevin yeah. Hart's a lot of hell with a romance if he wants. They just did a very good job at trying to integrate that into the script. Let's put yeah, it. Yeah, it just seemed kind of out of place. I was like, yeah, yeah, but whatever. Yeah, fine. That's an action movie. It's a decent action movie don't get boggled down and it's like a fast and furious movie in the sense that you don't get boggled down in plot or yeah. logic or physics you just go and enjoy the ride at sixty thousand feet i mean there are things in here that are a little more realistic in comparison it's yeah, a little more yeah. like it could happen but yeah but like for me i felt like you said it's pretty much by the numbers for the most part like the intro just like introducing yeah. the characters and all of that and but it didn't really get interesting to me specialty. until yeah once the the heist actually started yeah. that's when i was locked in like from that point on i was like all right this is cool and everything else was kind of like all right we, we got to go through this to get to where we're going and, yeah and after that posting exactly so it again it's it's a fun movie if you just need something on Especially during if you're like us and you're watching the more serious kind of movies, the you know the awardsy movies that are a little more serious, and you need something that's a palate cleanser, boom, pop this on. It's a good one. Yeah, and really, it's one you know it's I mean it's PG thirteen. It's if you need something to watch with family, it's fine. You know, just to have something on. So I wouldn't like I don't know if York would like it or not. He might. But it's not one I think he's like going to be excited about watching. He'd be like, hey, let's watch this. He'd be like, all right, maybe. Got some familiar actors and then something yeah. maybe not so familiar that are good. Yes. You know, it's a good, good cast, good ensemble. Yes. They work well off each other. So it made it made it more interesting than I was expecting. Right. You know? Yeah. And Billy Magnuson wasn't playing an asshole. So, you know, <laughs> there you go. I like that. Because usually he is. He usually is just playing the douchebag in, yeah. every, in all the movies. Because he's great at it. But it's good to see him not be that in this movie for a change. And Vincent D'Onofrio got to play something different. So, so Especially after the, just finishing Echo. And then you see oh, my gosh. Completely opposite. Yes. Yeah. It's like, all right. Fresh. Yeah, Fresh. Exactly. Exactly. So it's an Echo. It's, if you haven't watched Echo, please watch it. It's so good. For five episodes, five 30-minute episodes at that, yeah. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. It's good stuff. So, all right. That's all I got for Lyft. <laughs> nothing too nothing too heavy. Very light-hearted. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> I'll talk briefly. Uh, the Beekeeper, which came out this year, January 12th, runtime hour and 45 minutes, directed by David Ayer, and it stars Jason Statham and... Emmy Raver Lampman, Josh Hutcherson, Bobby Nadiri, Mini Driver makes an appearance, Felicia Rashad also, 
and Jeremy Irons. So it's about one man's brutal campaign for vengeance takes on national stakes after he is revealed to be a former operative of a powerful and clandestine organization known as Beekeepers. So I guess the simplest way to put it, he's living on a farm because Felicia Rashad's character allows him to stay. And so he just helps her out. He has a you know collection of bees that he collects honey from. And when the movie starts off, he's helping her clear out a hornet's nest. And so she invites him over for supper later. And he just continues on finishing up his, his job. But <clears throat> uh, she's playing Eloise Parker. And she falls prey for a phishing scam to which she's robbed of over $2 million. And a lot of that money is for a charity that she's helped create and fund. And she's so devastated by this, she takes her own life. And so, you know, Clay is with uh, Jason Statham plays. He comes to, you know, go for supper. But when he walks in, he sees that she shot herself. And it just so happens Eloise's daughter, who's an FBI agent, Verona Parker, just happens to show up too. And, of course, they take Clay in for questioning because he was the first person on scene that, you know, after her her, dad, her mom died. and But he's cleared because, you know, the gun doesn't have any fingerprints or yeah. whatever. So he's good. And, you know, they they discover that, you know, her money was stolen. And so he he's able to find out exactly who's behind it. Like, you know, gets follows clues and then fo- follows up to a business that does these scamming calls. And as you see in the trailer, he takes these two containers of gasoline and pretty much blows up the building, which gets the attention of other people within this business. And the, the story is really thin. It's just about Jason Statham kicking ass, yeah. <laughs> taking a and all that. And the action is pretty much the bread and butter of this movie. <laughs> that's that's I mean, that's what you're here for, for his movie. Yeah, I wasn't expecting much because it's coming out in January. So I thought it was just, you know, going to be another Expendables experience where it's not that great. But, you know, but it's, I mean, it's a decent story that gets things going. And you find out that him being a beekeeper, really the beekeeper. Yes, he does tend to bees, but it's also an organization that's used to kind of help the world clear yeah. out of bad, of, of bad people, evil people. and but he's retired. So I kind of looked at this like kind of his, his John Wick equalizer movie where he's trying to just do peaceful things, get away from it. But then the person that has the first person ever to take care of him takes her life because someone scammed her out of money and she just didn't know how to handle that. So he just goes on a rampage of taking everyone down that does this kind of thing while being chased by the daughter of her friend. And yeah, I mean, it was cool. It's got some little little corny, cheesy stuff, but overall, it was a decent action. It was a great action movie. Like, all the action was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so kind of like with, you know, don't go in for plot. It's not that strong. It's just enough to give you the motivation of Jason Statham's This character. is why we're doing This is why yeah. the action is occurring. Yes. And so does a good job there. But, yeah, you know, it's a strong January movie. A surprise, because it was supposed to go to streaming. But they end up, it gets getting better responses to it. So he decided to put it in theaters and um, okay. it worked out, out for him. Let's see, last but not least, 
I checked out the book of Clarence. Okay. So I've been wanting to watch that. Yeah. So <clears throat> going in, I didn't really know what to expect. Cause again, it's a January movie. So, but it's also came out the 12th and <clears throat> it's a runtime of two hours and nine minutes directed by James Samuel. And it stars, it's got a great cast, got the Keith Stanfield, Omar Sy, RJ Siler, Anna Diop, David Oyelowo. Oyelowo. Easy for you to say. <laughs> I've never gotten it right. I'm not going to get it right ever. I just know it. Michael Ward, Alfre Woodard, Tiana Taylor, Caleb McLaughlin, Eric Kofi Abrefa, Marianne Jean-Baptiste Amina, James McAvoy, and Benedict Cumberbatch. So, struggling to find a better life, Clarence is captivated by the power of the rising Messiah and soon risks everything to carve a path to a divine existence. So basically, Clarence is, he sees himself as a nobody. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's basically a, sells weed. <laughs> but he's, he still stole it from Rome. So Romans are definitely the enemy here. And it starts off with the chariot race where he's going against Mary Magdalene. And it's kind of going back and forth. They're trading, leading, whatnot. But then the gypsies of the area get involved and start shooting darts, which attacks him and his friend Elijah. And they end up losing the race. Problem with that is the horse and chariot didn't belong to him. He stole it from Jedediah. And then he also owes money to the same person. and. He also loves Jedi's sister, who oh. he doesn't really qualify to even look at. So, you know, so one to be with her is kind of kind of ridiculous for him to think that. Yeah. So his plan is to get baptized because he feels if he's baptized, maybe they'll take it easy on him. And then at the same time, you have the rise of Jesus Christ. And so Elijah saying in 10 years, he hopes to be like him. Clarence, like, I want to be like him now, like they show in the trailer. Right. And so he tries to learn as much as he can about Jesus, how he does his tricks, as he calls it, because he doesn't yeah. exactly believe God exists. And, right. you know, he, he's more of knowledge versus belief. Yeah. You know, so he know what he knows is stronger than the belief of something you can't see. So that's kind of that's his approach to everything. But he ends up convincing people that he is a new messiah, another messiah. And basically copying everything that he can, that Jesus does. Yeah. You know, healing people's sights, helping people walk, and he's collecting money from it. But he also wants to become the 13th apostle, which his twin brother, Thomas, is a part of. And uh, which is cool how they did them. Like, you know, it's the same It's the key playing both characters, but they changed Thomas just enough to where he unique. Yeah. You know, he's got a thicker beard more fuller face and his eyes are kind of like light, light color. But it just so happens also the Romans are trying to find these so-called messiahs. And because he's become the most popular one, he yeah. ends up getting captured. And, you know, they show the scene in the trailer where they ask him to walk on water. If he's truly the Messiah and to a surprise, it works out, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I, I, the way I was watching this, I feel like anybody who's really deep into the Bible, they have to go in with open mind because they'll probably be a yeah. they'll, they'll probably get offended. But, yeah. You know, just gotta approach it like a movie. It's 
guess satire. Yeah. You know, takes place in, was it 33, 8033 Jerusalem? So, but it's entertaining. Yeah. It's got some messages in it, but yeah, go in with open mind. It's just lighthearted look at that time. And, yep. but it's good. Like it surprised me. You know, okay. I knew I knew what the cast was going to be well acted. I mean, there's even some the, the music's good, soundtrack great, some of the shots in it are good. But yeah, it's one of my favorites for the month. Along okay, with the Beekeeper. Yeah. So this month so far hadn't been too bad. You know, Night okay. Swim was a little yeah. low, but then Beekeeper and Book of Clarence kind of help. There you go. Pick things up. Yeah. And all right, that's cool. All I got. All right. Well, and all we have this week is Miller's Girl with Martin Freeman and Jenny Ortega and Bashir Salahuddin. A creative writing assignment yields complex results between a teacher and his talented student. So that will be rated R, one hour, 33 minutes. That's coming out Friday. And then two weeks we have on February 2nd, Argyle will be up. So with a little more. Fun and action and whatnot, yeah. From from Matthew Vaughn, so, so it should be that should be fun at least. And that's that's a look ahead. So uh, I think we gave a lot, <laughs> covered a lot today, and but we had a lot to catch up because you know that's what happens with holidays. And then when we have a special episode like we did last week, we have last week's essentially and this week's the catch you know to present so. Yeah, all good though. All good. We hope all y'all are staying warm. If you're like us and have all that white stuff on the ground, be safe. Be very safe driving. Not necessarily your driving, but always the ones around you. Yeah. Defensive driving. Exactly. And defensive walking on the ice as well. Yeah. Never never think that the ice is your friend. It's always it's always gonna come and get you. So Yep, definitely humble you. In many, many ways. Yes. With that being said, we hope everybody has an an amazing, amazing week. And we will talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our show and have a moment, please rate and review. It helps us out a lot. Also, recommend us to someone that enjoys movies or also has kids. You can find us on Twitter at PA Movie Podcast and on Instagram at parental underscore advisory underscore movie underscore pod. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Parental Advisory Movie Podcast, and join in on the fun.